1: Hello and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts Lucy Halden and Benjamin Halden. Today we are joined by Sean Fitzpatrick.
0: Sean is a fellow coach in the fitness industry and has raised his name from being and having a very non-bullshit approach and very cutthroat content which I've taken a lot of value from so I thought it was great to get him on today.
1: Again, we dive more into motivation and how it does tail off after about four weeks and how to not lose motivation. And we also discuss the effects and if not the negative effects of body positivity.
0: We also touch on how to not hate running. As a bodybuilder now going into high rocks a little bit like myself, we explore Sean's journey with how he's trying to balance this whilst also losing eight kilos in four weeks.
1: Don't forget to subscribe, stay tuned and enjoy this week's episode. That's really weird.
0: Thanks. All right, we're good. We're good.
1: Can you make me a clap, please, please? Can. I just want to make sure Sean can actually hear us because he can't really hear us.
2: I can hear you better now, just as I said, without, without the headphones.
1: Make cool. sure that's all right. Yeah, I think so. Will you just speak a little bit louder?
2: Yeah, I'd say so. All right, we're
1: good. Gorge.
0: Cool. Uh, what we'll do, Sean, is we'll do kind of your exactly. your ring walk entrance, mate. After we've done the podcast, because sometimes we just find it's quite awkward asking people to sort of intro themselves. So we'll do your intro after we've done the podcast, if that's okay. Yeah, no worries. So we'll just kind of dive straight in. Ready? Mm-hmm. Cool, Sean. Welcome to the podcast. Firstly, what what's your issue with anime? What's my issue with what anime?
2: <laughs> you know what, I was? I, I, and I know most TikTok sounds come from anime, so I'm probably guilty of using sounds, I suppose, inspired by it before. But I just found it so bizarre that it was such a <laughs> popular culture with gym bros. Because, look, I think years ago, we all watched Yu-Gi-Oh! or whatever it was. when, or I remember being four years old when I was watching it. So I just found it very bizarre that that, maybe that I just... My timeline went a completely different direction to other people, whereas a lot of people obviously maintained their love and affection for anime. Um, it, mm-hmm. I just found it very bizarre, and I was just thinking about it one day because I saw someone with like a a big cartoon hoodie on the back, and he had his hood up inside the gym. He was throwing the plates left, right, and center, and it just all, it all just combusted yeah. into into the rant that you saw on TikTok. I've never,
0: I've never been into any anime, you know, never, I don't think I've watched any no. of it. I don't think I've ever bought anything. Was any anime? Super, The only anime I've ever so seen on. is like, and I've, I've yeah. never, I've never watched porn, by the way. So I don't know how I've seen this, but on porn websites, when the anime porn pops up, that, that's it. must've been someone else on porn. And I've seen it over the shoulder because I don't do that kind of thing. But that's the only sort of anime that I've ever seen or ever witnessed. I, I don't know how it, for some people, relays into motivation.
2: But well, a lot of people made a rebuttal to it saying that, well, obviously you've not watched I ex- I couldn't name what they were saying, but uh, I, I, I just thought, would you not be much better off trying to derive your physique inspiration from something that's actually real life as opposed to something that's manufactured by the cartoon yeah. design? Yeah, I guess that's kind of the equivalent to,
0: I know a lot of people spoke about it, is the whole Disney princess thing when people are looking at the tiny little waists and the big breasts and the sort of hourglass physique i guess the anime is kind of that for the bro lifter i guess you could say that
2: i don't know is this i i can't actually speak on it because i don't know what it is or, or what they do or what the characters entail or what the storylines entail but i don't know whether is there an aspirational role to some of the characters i just i i've, I've witnessed because I remember I was trying to make like an edit before this was like six months ago. And foolishly, I used like, what, I think it was some, I think it was called Dragon Ball Z or something like yeah. that. <laughs> and I was going through YouTube, trying to find one that would like mirror me. So I was looking for like a blonde Duke Jack dude. It was part of like a transition from, I think I was doing a physique comparison to myself and Shizzy at the time. And then there was like a, a transition where I needed kind of something dramatic so I thought oh you get one of those cartoon characters that they've seen uh that I've seen doing the rounds on TikTok and I remember just looking for footage that I could screen record to put in the video and I was just like like I know you're obviously not looking at it from the perspective of it being the most realistic thing in the world but I was just like how do people watch it because it's just mm-hmm. it, it just seemed very very bizarre um, And it just didn't seem as so though something that I could sit down and enjoy watching mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, watching a Netflix documentary or whatever the case was.
0: So, yeah. Speaking about that, we spoke quite a lot about motivation last week and spoke quite a lot about sort of this experiment that Peterson's still spoken about quite a few times, which is about sort of the rat, the cat and the cheese and about how a lot of people's motivation comes from push and pull, depending on kind of what you don't want to be like and also what you aspire to do. Where does where does most of your motivation now come from?
2: Interesting question and I suppose it's changed over the last 10 years. But- this is actually interesting and I'm not sure what your take on this as well but like over the last few years I suppose there's been a big movement towards like not fat shaming and things like that but in my own personal experience it was like an element of fat shaming that resulted in me kind of going on the journey that I did and I distinctly remember the moment and I've spoken about it before but in Ireland we have a sport called hurling I'm not sure if we're too well acquainted with it or not talk us through it which talk us through it so it the easiest way to explain it is it's like ireland's version of lacrosse so you're you're very hard to explain but you've got a very small maybe palm-sized ball there's just 15 lads on each team with sticks essentially and you're just looking to score points by hitting this ball over a target so it's it's a bit of a mix between lacrosse and Quidditch, I suppose. Well, I was about to say, it sounds like Quidditch, but just with gravity. Yeah, exactly, with yeah. gravity, exactly. Yeah. So I was playing that when I was, I think, about 15 years old, and I, I wasn't exceptionally overweight, but I was certainly in comparison to my peers, I was, uh, I was carrying a little bit more cushion for the cushion, as they say, compared to the next person. <laughs> so my coach at the time, I was after playing a really good game of Quidditch and had scored like two goals, which is the equivalent, six points or, or whatever it was, which is a substantial score in, in the game, Berlin. So I had a fantastic game. I was riding the wave of, uh, of a fantastic performance until my coach had held me back in the changing rooms afterwards. And I remember he gently put his hand on my stomach and in the nicest way possible says, Sean, I think it's time we get rid of the bread basket. From that moment was when I started kind of taking things more seriously. I mean, I'd, like every teenager I'd done my, hundred push-ups in the mirror, my hundred sit-ups prior to that, but nothing with real intent. But I remember from that moment I said, right, every second day, I'm going to go running five K's and then I'm going to build it up to a 10 K and then I'm going to enroll in my first 10 K, uh, race. I was going to pay more attention to what I was eating. I wasn't going to come, go near the biscuit press as, as much as I had been doing that. It got me to that point. And I remember doing that for like one or two months shed a hell of a lot of weight i think it was like a stone and a half that i lost maybe even two stone and i met that same coach out on one of my runs and i was able to stand there in front of him and tell him that he's the reason that i'm now a stone and a half lighter and, and i mean i suppose it's ironic that i see a complete movement towards the opposite end of the spectrum where that's discouraged at all costs but i think with the right person in the right context i think it, it can very much be a, a, a useful tool and i had m- a pt client before is that he's my barber is a close friend of mine as well and he had a, an, an unfortunate not in the nice way that i had it but he had an unfortunate encounter in a nightclub where some obviously drunken whatever you want to call them came up to him and says and complimented or commented on how big that he'd gotten and he said from that moment he was he heard those words it's obviously very nasty to hear at the time but he dropped the drink he left the nightclub straight away and from that moment he started taking his fitness a lot more seriously i think he was in the gym every single day and he went from someone who was very heavily overweight to someone who was in absolutely fantastic nick so i think kind of i don't know where this tangent came from but i think just the blanket kind of prescription of X's bad in all contexts at all times kind of misses i suppose people like me who may take inspiration or maybe have more of that chip on the shoulder mentality where something that, albeit maybe uncomfortable in the moment, could be the driving force behind what phenomenal change could be.
1: What you spoke about as well, it's called ECC. And we've spoke about this on podcasts before, which is called Emotionally Charged Connection. And it works both ways, whether it was someone telling you, maybe lose a bit of weight or someone saying you're too skinny. That's how mine started, someone called me anorexic and I was like, holy shit balls, like absolutely not. And it completely changed my life. Same for Ben, you were quite underweight, you were a little bit smaller. Someone said something a little bit like, yeah, yeah. Ben's mum said something a little bit nasty to him saying it looks like a bag of bones in a t-shirt and it switched something in his head. So I think a lot of people will start their journeys in the exact same way The three of us has by saying something that is said in a particular way it can come across quite nasty or not great but if you're the type of person who can take it on the chin and move forward with it as you said i think it's it's not necessary but there's something there. i think a lot of people start their journeys through whether it's like fair or they've been told about themselves or something has happened
2: yeah and it's 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 a very difficult, I think, topic to raise because then you're almost opening the gate towards, oh, so you're condoning talking to people in such a manner or whatever. And it's not that you're condoning it, but it's appreciating, I think, that certain people are just wired different ways. Mm. And what a nasty comment to one person could go have them go down a very destructive path, that same comment said to someone else with a slightly different sort of mentality or approach to things could lead them down the most constructive path of their life. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that's I suppose that's similar to the way that children learn in school. We all learn in different ways, whether that's more visual, sound, whatever it may be. We have different different motives, but everyone will kind of have that cat and the cheese—the one thing that they're trying to avoid and the one thing that they're trying to achieve. The, the way that I sometimes think about it, as well, is, which may be a bit strange. You know, I don't know if you've ever had this, but. Say for example, you're in a supermarket. I think I had when there was a period where I'd gone from being skinny to being a bit more overweight. And I remember uh, a small child in the supermarket being with a mum, and being like, why is that guy like chubby or fat or something? I think that kind of thing come, of- children just speak absolute I- pure truth and it's unapologetic, and you can't say anything back to them because it's a child. But I think that that sometimes thinking about what would a, a child think or say because it's honest, open truth from a perspective that they've just taken from that initial fair sighting of you, it sometimes can be a bit of an eye-opener because it's there's no kind of malice in it. It's just what they perceive to be in front of them at that time.
2: Yeah, and I would even... I, I just think now, and, and this is aside from fitness and fat ass and muscle building but like some of the most successful people that i know if you dig deep enough they kind of have this chip on the shoulder that are uh, originated from somewhere i think it's very difficult to manufacture the energy to achieve something great whether that pertains to your physique whether it pertains to business without having a, a a root cause or a root motivation that stemmed at one point or another i think it's just you're just really. You're not just going to go through your life. I think plain sailing, everything's perfect, but also have that you know almost boundless sort of energy to pursue something great. I think there, it, with most people who have achieved something, uh, and this is this covers all spheres. I think there's something that they're trying to prove, or something that they're, or someone maybe that they're trying to prove wrong. Yeah, but is this expectation now of people because we wrap people up
0: in cotton wool and we should always be loved and we should love everything about ourselves that our expectations are offset to what reality actually is so that when we hit, hit those speed bumps and hurdles, we're never really prepared
2: for it. I don't like this approach of, like what started off I'm sure will from an admirable standpoint, this whole dampening and lowering expectations I think has literally just become, especially within kind of building, let's say natural physiques, it's just become more of, trying to think of the words to describe it, it's more so facilitating putting a lack of effort towards something. Because I think a lot of people want their expectations to be as low as possible so that the actions that they're taking or they're not taking now are nearly justified. Whereas I'm just going to use physique as a proper example, but obviously I get accused of steroids all the time and people say, oh, you shouldn't be a fake natty even though I'm not. Mm. The biggest fake natty on TikTok. Realistic expectations. Mm. Whereas I look at it from the perspective of, as I go, okay, I'm natural. Can you look at the physique that I've managed to achieve here? Maybe right now, compared to where you're at, it's, it's you know, it may take a lot of work or it may be unattainable, but if you are to take inspiration from what I've managed to achieve and channel that into putting in the most amount of work with your nutrition, with your training, you're going to be 10 times, 100 times better than what your starting point was. And I think at that point, it becomes irrelevant whether or not you become a new mirror me, but the inspiration that you've took from someone who's achieved something very, very good is the fact that you as a byproduct have improved your own circumstance.
0: yeah
1: 100% regarding the fake natty discussion because I think it's a really important thing to talk about do those sort of comments or anything regarding that whole sphere does that ever really annoy you or piss you off regarding it kind of in a way, when people say it denotes your hard work that you've put in for someone else to, I think, potentially feel better about themselves by saying, oh, well, he's on gear anyway, so it's okay.
2: It doesn't annoy me from the perspective of people are just dismissing my hard work, if you want to call it. I don't consider it hard work because, you know, going to the gym is its, it's more of a trade-off not to go to the gym than it is to go to the gym. It annoys me from the perspective that if that's, if if people who may not be leaving those comments, who may follow me for inspiration or whatever, start to see those comments come through a lot, they may start to channel that and go, oh, well, he's unnatural, so therefore there's no point in in taking inspiration mm-hmm. from him. And then they're, I suppose, stunting their own ability to progress. So it's not from my own personal standpoint that I, uh, I'm bothered by it, but it's the fact that if you listen to those comments, you're, you're probably dampening your own own potential in, in in one way or another. I think I get the, the comments so often that it's just kind of, it's water off the dots back. It's it's just, I expect it whenever I post uh, a physique uh, update. But the reason that people think that I'm coming out trying to prove it all the time that I'm natural and then that suspect, it's more so for the person like me 10 years ago who maybe started out an and may, you know, have unlimited expectations about what they can achieve i'm more concerned for that person you know thinking as though they're not able to build a, an impressive physique naturally whether that mm. leads them down the route of thinking well if i want to build a, a, an impressive physique i need to take steroids or if it stops them from even trying altogether that's i think what mm. is the most annoying aspect of that for me. yeah
0: yeah i mean i guess if you were really kind of to look at it from the shoe on the other foot most people just or will be seeing you and almost seeing you as like a mirror and it just reflect on on themselves which if they're not in a position where they're taking the action they're doing the thing they're making the progress it's gonna make that person feel bad about themselves so naturally their tendency will be to lash out at the thing that's made them feel that way um and and yeah even even with the the previous discussion of body positivity sometimes I, I get it, it can be difficult sometimes. Like I I know that you're on a similar journey, which is what we'll speak about in a minute. Kind of going into some more performance-based stuff, i.e. high rocks. And I'm still at the moment looking to drop body weight, but I'll even make excuses to myself sometimes and like, oh, I could do a dropping a bit of body weight, but I've not dropped weight this week or the week after or the week after that but I don't really need to because I'm more performance-based now and I need to have my energy. And I find myself like making my own excuses. So I, I I understand for some people it can be difficult when you're trying to chase things down, you're trying to get shit done. And the, the the thing I often try and remind myself is now to try and do the thing the tomorrow version would want me to do today. And it almost puts that kind of guilty pressure on myself to make sure that Ben, who wakes up tomorrow, is going to feel be- better about himself as well. And I know that you put... Um, Again, on the body positivity note, we're not we're not bashing this, by the way, guys. And everyone's gonna resonate with different things, but I think it's important because I know that you put a post up about this at some point in November, and there's been a lot of different talk about this. And I think there's quite a few different angles that were, were taken on the post from viewers that you put up. Um, if you can talk people through it, I think it was about a shopper had gone to different shops and complained about not finding
2: clothes to fit them right yeah so i think she was publicly outing a variety of stores that didn't stop it was like either triple or quadruple xl or something was was the size that she needed i think it i find issue with with that for a number of reasons and i think number one is the fact that you're expecting companies whose sole goal is is to make profit to become more of like a charitable organization in the sense that they're catering for something that's so far outside the the median that it, it may be affect their own profitability and i think if you're if you're pitching your hopes on massive multi-million and multi-billion euro or dollar corporations to kind of become beacons of whatever movements that you that you're you're, you're driving or, or that you're hoping that, that you're getting behind I think you're you're going to wind up disappointed. But the other aspect of that was I I when there's something so blatantly obvious that you can do something to help yourself with. And when I see people look for everything external to themselves as to being the main reason or the the main perpetrator, I I find an issue with that. And that's not and that's when someone is not taking actions that they could do to initially help themselves before they start maybe pointing the the finger at something else or something external to themselves. And I just really do have a, a, a large distaste for people who refuse to take personal responsibility for circumstances in which they find themselves. Um, Shit happens to people. Unfortunately, shit happens all the time. We can't help a lot of that, but a lot of things there are within our life that we can control. And I think as it pertains to, to, to body weight. I think if, you're allowed, if you, you've gotten to a point where you're morbidly obese, let's say, there's certain actions and, and we can get behind the root cause of, of, of what's behind those and the difficulties that you may face in trying to do something about it compared to the next person. But the reality is that there's steps that you can take to improve your situation rather than your first port of call be to point the finger blame at someone else as being the, the party responsible for, mm. for what you are, the way that you are
0: yeah i think that that's important in itself in terms of personal responsibility and i i get that everyone in the world depending on where you are what you've been born into um potentially like what your financial situation is can create difficulty in, the, in itself but at some point you've got to go this is the hand that i've been dealt and at some point i've got to just cash it in and use it And accept it and take and try and run to the next base. Because I think if you don't, you're just kind of in that spiral of continuing to never, never truly take action. But I think you alluded to this, is that, and I I massively get behind it. Yes, you should love yourself and love your body, but a, a true sense of body positivity would be to make sure that you're loving your body by giving it what it, what it needs to make progress, to feel better about yourself. Wow. I think one of the things that we saw come up quite frequently over the past couple of years is people putting plaster over wounds almost and kind of making themselves feel better for the day. But then I'll see another post go up a, a week later of the same person crying again. it's like, it's never actually addressing just the root cause of why you are actually upset. It's just kind of for that day, making yourself feel better for a couple of hours or even telling people on social media that you feel better about yourself. And I think a lot of people with messages or put things up on social media, if you dig a little bit deeper, most of the time, it's them living their own problems and issues through what they're
2: trying to tell you
0: and teach you to do.
2: A number of super interesting points that you made there, but I, I agree 100%. I think just the first one, the last one that you ended on, I, it's actually something I heard Chris Williamson say a couple of weeks ago. He says that most of the advice that maybe you or I give online is kind of us trying to convince ourselves to take similar action. Uh, the other thing to that as well is, is, is my issue with kind of the body positivity, most influencer movement in general, is the fact that at its core, it's very self-serving. So you have influencers who know that if they make a certain post about them positioned a certain way or saying a certain thing, that that's going to be a post that gets a lot of likes, a lot of views, a lot of engagement. What does that influencer know that they can do with that? Well, they've got an, an audience is watching them. They've got pretty much a, a, a formula that works, I guess, in viewerships, likes, engagements, comments, and shares. They can then turn that into money by virtue of sponsorships, whatever the case may be. So they're doing that as, I suppose, a vehicle to then to earn as much money as possible with, with sponsorships. So that's my, my issue with positive influencers in general i think it, it it's one of those very shallow messages that sounds good when it comes out of your mouth but when you actually translate that into the reality of the person who's supposed to be taking that advice it's leaving them in a much worse situation in the long run because if you were to give them the stern message to begin with of Joat, you're in a pretty shit situation. But if we tried to do X, Y, or Z, we could start to improve that. We start to get you fitter, fitter. We could start to, you know, improve a lot of your outcomes. Fast forward six months down the line, that person's going to be in a much better position from the perspective of maybe having less body fat, being more confident with how they look, you know, being able to dress up in nice clothes that they have been able to do so for years. Compared to the person who was told, you know what, you're fine the way that you are, so you should learn to love yourself in all circumstances and all conditions. But that person six months down the line is going to be in the exact same probably body, if that's what, what that's bothering them, they're going to have all the same troubles, all the same issues that they're having six months prior. Um, and I just do think it's going to be very difficult to try and affirm to yourself that in a body that you're quite clearly unhappy with, or that's causing you all these problems, you're never going to be able to override that mentally, no matter how much you tell yourself, you know, you love yourself and, and, and you should love yourself in all certain circumstances and all conditions, because. I think that just the exist, the the state in which you're in now is obviously for X, Y, or Z reason. Even if you need that body positivity influencer to tell you to love yourself, there's something that, that's about your current state that you're not happy with, that I think changing that and, and taking the tough road, and for some, it's gonna be a very tough road to change yourself, I think is going to be the better one and the better outcome in the long run. Mm-hmm.
1: I think what's hard as well is with what you were just talking about there, you get a few people who then go down the route of, oh, it's okay if you, say say someone has a goal and they've set off on this journey and they were very body positive before, like, love yourself, but like, I want to make change. You then have particular body positive influencers who will be saying, oh, it's okay to like, miss the gym for a month. Like, don't worry. Like, don't worry about it. That then pushes into the boundary of that's just being lazy. That's not, oh, it's okay to keep missing this, keep missing that. Why would you not want to help people become the most confident, the fittest, the healthiest version of themselves? But then you have people with such big followings being like, but it's okay if you miss the gym for three weeks. Like, it's okay if you do this. In occasion, yeah, it's all right to do this and that, but the influence that these people have, I don't think they recognize, but they're almost doing it because they themselves have missed the gym for a month. So they're then saying, oh, it's okay if you've missed the gym or not trained or done this for a whole month because I've done it too and it's it's absolutely fine. Whereas people who are trying to get out of that mindset, it's not, it's not fine. If you, if you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah,
0: but the, the issue with that again is as well, like if you're then getting validation from other people.
1: That's what I meant the, with the, the likes. Yeah,
0: the biggest thing then is you then become the character who you're playing and you're getting validation for that all the time. And you then just become almost like an actor trying to play up to an audience. But you actually become oh. the actor of potentially a person that you never wanted to be because you're putting that out all the time. This is why I, I actually like body acceptance because you're accepting the situation that you're in and then you're probably, hopefully, going to do something about it, which I think is a better narrative to have for yourself and a better kind of card to play.
2: Yeah, and I think it needs to be a very future focus from the perspective. I think body acceptance is a much better term to use because, right, you're accepting that maybe you haven't been your best friend for the la- whatever it is, for the last number of weeks, months, years that have got you to the situation that you're in. Now you are accepting it, but you're not beating yourself up over, you know, past decisions that you've made and, you know, tormenting yourself mentally over it. You're thinking, right, this is my starting point. What can I do to, to improve where I'm at? And I don't think anyone's asking people to, to feel a sense of shame about, you know, past Mm -hmm. lives may have lived. This is not what it's about, but it's about, I suppose, not derailing or, or curtailing your potential future progress, uh, by, you know, just accepting what is, I think in most cases going to be an inferior hand card, of cards.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that, I mean, that's easy to do. I mean, I've I've done it myself. I had um, the start of last year, I had a, an operation for testicular cancer, I had to take a bit of time off the gym right. and afterwards I looked at myself in the mirror, I was like quite critical and particularly harsh oh. and had to be aware of that voice that was speaking to myself because like that voice is the voice that you're gonna hear most in your life. So you need to make sure that it's one that is gonna pick you up and not put you down. But it can be quite difficult if you don't have that level of self-awareness. And it took me a bit of time to just realize, do you know what this body that you've got now, it's got you through uh, the the surgery. It's got me through recovery. And this is the position that I'm at. And I'm like thankful for my body. I'm accepting of it but now this is the thing that I need to do next but which can be difficult for, for some people especially if you're sitting at 300 pounds or your particular weight or you're heavy that starting point to just even get up can be difficult um, for a lot of people what, what would your advice be to those people who are like maybe want to do something about it uh, and are at that kind of first hurdle of trying to push over the line to get the cogs turning to get the gears working to get momentum building we took it all
2: I think, and it's a conversation I've had on the group call with, with clients there this week, where I was like, especially at this time of year, motivation's high, you know, willingness to change is, is, is very high, but I made it clear to them and that it's not going to be the case in two or three or four weeks time, you know, you're going to get back into your old routines, your old mindset, like it's a very sort of novel time of year, especially to, to try and change. And I've had clients... On that call, who over the last six months have been barely going to the gym, zero, zero, or zero to one times per week. I think well, in in one case, but then all of a sudden they're like, "Right, I'm going to go six, seven days of the week. I'm going to, you know, track every single meal I consume." But like all of that is great, but I think maybe some people can even set what they need to do or set their goals so high that it's nearly unattainable for them considering their starting point and so they're nearly kind of in the back of their mind thinking that this is going to be something i'm going to fall off after two weeks but i'll be fine with it because at least then i can say that i tried Mm -hmm. whereas i say to someone who's let's say 300 pounds or whatever i say there's a lot of there's actually a lot of potential here there's a lot of things that you can do there's a, a lot there's one or two things that if you were to change could result in vastly superior outcomes at that point if you're you know, slightly more active, if you place slightly more attention to your food, that can result in, you know, 10, 15, 20 pounds of, of sort of weight loss. So I look, right, it's not an ideal situation, but it's ahead of a lot of potential if you're to just turn the cog or, or, or turn the dial on, on a couple of things. So using what I was uh, I was talking about this week, I think it's all well and good to get to a point and overhaul absolutely everything, but you have to be a little bit more I think pragmatic about the situation go what is it what is something that i can change right now because let's face it the last number of months years i've been following a certain lifestyle and i think it's going to ask ahead of a lot to not only be able to change everything about that lifestyle instantaneously but sustain that for the next six or, or 12 months so i suppose it's 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 boring advice but very pragmatic from the sense that look at one thing that you can do a little bit differently and even in that state that one thing could result in 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 generating the momentum required to carry over into into the next thing that you can look at. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's exactly that. It's just unfortunately with a fitness journey, especially when you're first starting out, it just is a really fucking mundane process. You gotta give it a couple of months and it's like, okay, here we are. I start to feel better. You might start to look a bit better if that's a goal as well. And speaking of goals and training, you come from a very bodybuilding based background and you're now doing a Hirox which is very different and um, we've I've done a few and then Ben's obviously got one in January and I saw you did a post that you said you absolutely hate running. Why Hirox? What's made you want to do something completely different?
2: I did Hyrux last December in LA uh, but the circumstances in which i did it was less than ideal because my best friend and housemate he's very much more so into uh, he's ran marathons and things like that so he's very much mm-hmm. into the, the cardio side of things so it's definitely his inspiration that's kind of resulted in me taking more of a liking towards things like crossfit towards things like irocs as well so we did uh we signed up on a whim i think two weeks prior to the la IROX, but we didn't leave ourselves in in with the best chance because we were drinking, I think, bottomless champagne for the whole flight over. <laughs> it's scheduled <out laughs> such that it landed like midnight the day of High Rocks, so we got about six hours sleep. We woke up, we were jet lagged. We thought we had more time than we did to get to the mm. High Rocks event, so we were walking around downtown LA looking for a kind of monster. When we got to the High Rocks, we realized that our event had taken off 15 minutes prior, so then we were shuffled in with no warm up. Um, no toilet no nothing like that into the next event which was like two minutes from from the time that we arrived so we didn't do it in the most ideal circumstances possible but i think we we finished up in like an hour and 10 minutes or something like that that? so i've been looking to do it again to just try and do it in the most i suppose optimal circumstances as much as i hate that word and see what what i'll be capable of doing but it is funny that i dislike running like it doesn't really thrill me the thought of going out for a run but I do credit running with a large part of my initial physique transformation Mm. dating back to 10 years ago when I was uh, a little bit overweight it was running that was the, the the key mechanism for me or the key driving force behind me losing the weight that I did and obviously looking back it wasn't the running per se that was special about that but how getting into running aiming to improve my fitness how that influenced other decisions that I was making. Because I think at the time I started eating a lot more fruit, just recreationally, which is something that I never did from the perspective that running was making me feel so good and getting fitter was making me feel so good that I didn't want to come home and just, you know, go balls deep into a biscuit tin or, or whatever the case was. I wanted to make sure that my nutrition choices outside that were also making me feel good, and then that would just snowball into Mm -hmm. this, um, this, this, this massive, I suppose, spiral of, of. Of improving fitness and improving how I, was, how I was feeling and performing so I'm not the biggest fan of it but it definitely is something that I'm I suppose thankful for and something I'd like to get better at I think if I was to look at an event like high rocks I'm going to be very strong on machines I've done it already to know that but it's really when it comes to the one kilometer runs in between each event that would be where where I'd fall down so that's a big reason why i want to lose the weight that i want to lose so i don't know if anyone's following along with the i'm planning to lose 8 kg so get down to below 100 kg but that's quite simply for the reason of making it easier to get those uh runs done in a quicker time uh on the the pyrox event Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i want to speak to you about the weight loss side of it in a second the other question again not to put words in your mouth but this is one of the things i spoke about before in terms of i say quite a few times people shouldn't use um running for weight loss i know that you mentioned you've lost quite a lot of weight of it one do you think there's a potential for you to have a slightly tarnished relationship with running because you did prior use it just for weight loss the reason why i've said before that people shouldn't potentially use it is because I think some people just turn running into a hamster wheel and it only, like some people hate it. And there's other methods that people could use, which may be one, more efficient, two, less fatigue on the body, and three, some of that they'd be able to sustain because most people can't sustain running progressively, especially if you're particularly overweight, it's going to be difficult because it's going to be higher fatigue on the body. Um, and then two, I just think running such a, a good thing for people doing other things such as performance, getting outside, having that different optical flow of being in a different environment, switching off, having some space which isn't crammed with screens, being in the fresh air. So I'd just be interested to hear your thoughts on that as well.
2: So going back to, I suppose, why running wouldn't be recommended, it was only kind of a realization that I had two weeks ago when I was in the gym with Abby doing interval runs. But I was on the treadmill and the gentleman on the treadmill next to me was I can only assume trying to get into running and he was going all out on the treadmill for as long as he could probably sustain the fitness to do it. Then he was jumping off the treadmill then as soon as he had his breath back was going all out again and it kind of got me thinking do most people struggle with running or struggle to sustain running? Because similar to me on, on the vast majority of runs that I've done over the last few years, I felt as though I need to be literally crawling up to my doorstep after the run for it to have been effective or for it to have been any use. And I was thinking about that and I was like, well, if I was <coughs> several stone overweight again and I was using running as my sole mechanism to lose weight, let's say that's all, the only all, knowledge that I had, I would absolutely hate running because it's so associated with something that number one that I couldn't do but every time that I did it, I was absolutely knackered or fatigued after, uh, after doing it. So I think if people understood that you don't necessarily need to be going balls to the wall, I think I did a video on this a few days ago, that a lot of benefit can be taken from running, doing it at a very low pace and a, and a low intensity. I think people would have probably a more am- amicable relationship with this from the perspective that, they, that they're not dying throughout every second of the run. But it's less of an ordeal for them to motivate themselves to get up and do it and they may actually start to look at it through the lens of as you said there i can get out in the fresh air i can see cl- clear my head i can enjoy the run you know i, g- I can get some space i think then if they look at it from that perspective lower intensity don't have to be killing yourself doing it it might be something that they look forward to doing as opposed to being something they dread doing
1: this is something we Honestly, we talk about so much because when me and Ben first started running, I think ours was mainly during lockdown. I can pinpoint it to lockdown. Those 5Ks. We just used to go out, whether it was like a five or a 10K, and like everyone was a PB. As I've PB'd, I've PB'd. Like you're absolutely gassed by those runs. But now we literally do so much running. I run a lot of marathons and things like that. You literally learn that aerobic runs, some people call them easy runs, easy aerobic, rejuvenating runs they are the best thing to build your fitness, like your increased capillary density, your increased mitochondria, Like all the science is there. And they are so much more enjoyable. And it also doesn't necessarily matter what pace you're going at. You could literally go without your watch on, take the stress away, don't compare to other people. And then over time, you will notice that you do naturally get fitter. So probably like your journey at the start, you you probably didn't hate it as much the fitter you got. Yep. But you just do not, like people who go out and think they need to PB on every single run or need to be absolutely gassed, it's it's just not that. And I think with social media, that is one positive that's come through is people like yourself, people like myself and Ben, we talk about that sort of thing, being like, do not kill you. Same as gym session, you don't go in and do a one rep max every day. It's the exact same with running.
2: Yeah. Hmm. I've learned a lot of this and I, I have to give credit where it's to, I've learned a lot of this from Abby, my girlfriend. So she was, it was the start of the new year and she was like, oh, we're going doing an AK run and me kind of thinking an AK run is going to be, you know, me driving my ass through the vast majority of it, but then we actually got out and it, it, it became, I know there's not much to see around Limerick, but it became more of a sightseeing sort of trip that was easy. We're having a conversation with it. as I said, there was very enjoyable. Now we did turn up the intensity for the last two kilometers, but I think even that is something that people could do as well as okay right Mm. take it easy for most of the run or like nine tenths of the run but if you want to feel as though you've gotten a proper workout just you know sprint the rest of the way home or Mm. something yeah
0: yeah, it's it's. I think, and we were guilty of it as well. It's 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 like with social media posts. If you're always trying to kind of hit mega numbers, you're always chasing that instant gratification, which can't always come. The same with the the running as well. And if for people listening. Uh, uh, sort of in a similar boat, it's it's doing that thing. It's potentially going out on the run, setting an easy pace, then maybe pushing it a little bit more towards the end. Or even if you're not that in pos- position yet, can you just run for the whole run? Or if you're having to stop and walk for some of the run, can you reduce that walking time in that run and get a bit better next time? It's, it's a simple step like that, which can some time facilitate that that growth and that momentum moving forward. But the one thing that I was I was also interested in mate was Obviously, your weight training, you've thrown high rocks in there. So, one, how are you kind of finding scaling that volume and marrying the two? Because I think for our listeners, quite a few people will be doing that, Mm -hmm. going from sort of strength training to trying high rocks and trying to get a balance for the the two of them together.
2: So, the approach I'm taking now is maybe a little bit different to, to what I used to do. I think I used to just try and do as much as possible as often as possible. So every week I was still trying to keep up my five gym sessions. I was trying to do two CrossFit sessions. I was trying to maybe go for a run on on another day. And it was just so much that everything actually deteriorated from my strength inside the gym to my ability to get fitter from my performance within CrossFit sessions because I was cramming so much into a week that it was like, had a detrimental impact on on absolutely everything. So the approach that I'm taking now is strictly three gym sessions per week, two CrossFit sessions. The ones that I do are the ones that are more fitness based. So it'd be the endurance class or, and the, on Saturday to do like a bit of a metabolic conditioning class. So it'd be those two. And then on top of that, I might throw in like an easy run as well. So it's very much tapering back the gym side of things. And I think the great thing about having knowledge about muscle building and strength building is you understand that what's required to grow is a lot less than what's required to maintain. So I know that if I go in and I do, I may not even have to do the same amount of sets that I used to do in a single leg session. But I know if I do one leg session per week, that's going to be enough to, to sustain my muscle mass across the course of several weeks while I'm, while I'm training. So it'd be one lower body day, one chest dominant push session, one kind of back dominant pull session. So I know that as long as I've hit the bare minimum in terms of a handful of sets per week for muscle group that that's going to be enough to sustain my muscle i think it's important to for people to identify what is the priority because a lot of people say oh yeah hierarchs is my priority but also building muscle building strength is my and you can't have two priorities at the the one time so you need to pick one what is the one that you'd like to progress with or is more important to you at this point in time then your training should prioritize that particular modality and then everything else is just tapered back to to more of a, a, a bare minimum standpoint or, or what I need to do to maintain. So using myself as an example, gym's obviously my lower priority. So I'm just doing what I can to maintain, which means a lot less exercises and sets across the course of a week, but then in the absence or in the vacuum left by the sets that I've dropped, I'm allocating all those extra energy reserves towards, you know, increasing the amount of cardio that I'm performing per week, for example, or doing an, an additional CrossFit session.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the two two key things that you touch on there is one, prioritizing, and two, the one thing I spoke to a couple of people about is kind of almost changing that muscle mentality that if I don't hit enough weight sessions, I'm going to lose size or I'm going to lose mm-hmm. strength. The actual minimum kind of volume that you require to hold tissue is a lot lower than I think what people think it is. But it's, again, what, if you've been in kind of the bodybuilding or the lifting sphere, it's very hard to detach that mentality of, lowering the weight sessions because you feel like you're going to lose size but also for you adding on top of that trying to lose uh, a lot of weight in quite a short amount of time how are you also balancing that as well because i know i've seen some of your transformation posts before and you like to i suppose from some people's perspective cut quite aggressively
2: why do you find that kind of to be um better suited for you A number of reasons number one is i'm just impatient so i just quite simply can't be arsed to spend longer than six (laughs) or eight weeks i'm with you there mate don't worry i'm with you yeah yeah like i hear of people signing up for like physique competitions is probably one of the reasons i don't think i'll ever do one is because amongst many others is the fact that when like they're signing up for a six month nearly dieting phase i just can't i'm not that future focused at all to be able to see that far down the line uh, I kind of want to get it, get in, get out as quickly as possible. So I found doing a more aggressive cut um, is is definitely the, the, the approach for me. But also, I, I suppose I fall victim to needing to see progress very quickly to sustain motivation towards doing something. I know that if I kind of bring my calories a little bit lower, I'm going to see that rate of progress a little bit quicker. And then that's going to just, I suppose, channel into kind of more motivation and, and more desire to keep going. And to finish the job off, if I can kind of see the, the end goal, I think it's much easier for me to just put the head down and do what I need to do to get to that point, as opposed mm-hmm. to taking things very, very slow, progressing very, very slowly towards it and, and, and maybe not knowing where or when this is going to end.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm a similar boat maker. I usually do four week cutting periods, quite yeah, aggressive before. Really aggressive, aren't yeah, it? really aggressive. Because, yeah, I just don't have that motivation to prolong them for. And my motivation to lose weight just isn't that high. I, um, so I find it difficult to really sacrifice a lot just in aid of losing the the additional weight. So my motivation for dropping weight probably runs in parallel to like teapot making. It's just there's, there's no kind of motive there for it. But what is your protocol for when you're doing kind of this style of aggressive cut with the strength sessions and with the high involved what does kind of the typical setup look like for you?
2: In terms of nutrition first and foremost again tying into the the, the fact that I'm just generally very impatient is I'll try to minimize the amount of time that I have to spend in the kitchen so I kind of gravitate usually towards a, a sort of two meal a day approach and I've found myself that I can you know, fill myself up with coffee and, and Monster and push through <laughs> until like one o'clock in the day or sometimes even the other day it was four o'clock by the time I eat my first meal, which obviously I don't recommend. But I can have one massive meal then that's half the calories out of the way. And then by the evening time, very easy to make a and shake or something just to, uh, like I'm not most skilled in the kitchen. So the less time I have to spend there at uh, the better with that. I suppose I understand that ended like the the effects of an aggressive cut are going to take place quicker for me compared to if I was taking a little bit slower but I do just focus on with respect to my gym sessions I want to maintain my strength I want to make sure that I'm at least maintaining across the board if even just for one set in my head if I'm able to maintain my incline bench press at where it was weeks prior to that if even just for one set I've done enough to, to 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 stay where I'm at with that um, so as long as strength is, is sustained, which usually it is, if I keep on top of it once per week, I'm happy the weight sessions can stay as they are. And I suppose with respect to everything else, it's kind of similar to what I I outlined, just making sure that I'm out on doing one form of kind of fitness-based work. So that'd be the the slow, easy runs because so I want to make sure that obviously my fitness is improving for those runs on the high rocks. And then with respect to CrossFit, I suppose I've, I've gained more respect for it from the perspective that it's a far more interesting and enjoyable means for me to get audio-based workouts compared mm-hmm. to if I was left to my own devices to try and yeah. manufacture one out in air. I, like every other kind of bodybuilding enthusiast, used to do the 30 minutes on a Stairmaster, which I just, I would, I, in my wildest dreams, I uh, just would never wish to do that form of cardio again. Whereas there's a lot to be said, I think, f- for CrossFit from the perspective that, you know, it's, community-based environment you've got other people there you've got other people pushing but not just pushing you you're also in your head going to be competing with the person next to you if someone's fractionally ahead of you in terms of the calories that they've completed on the machine that like you know motivate you to kind of up the ante or up the intensity there as well and as well as that i don't I i like the fact that with respect to crossfit someone else's is creating the workout that, with obviously the gym sessions, I'm doing that myself, but with respect to CrossFit, it's someone else's responsibility to sort what the workout is. You arrive on a particular day, you don't know what that workout is going to be. I think it just keeps things interesting as well from that perspective.
1: Regarding your aggressive cuts, I know Ben's had this before, you two are actually very similar from a lot you spoke about, Um, but regarding the calories and going down the approach of a more aggressive cut, have you ever had quite heavy backlash from other people online saying this isn't appropriate, you shouldn't be doing that? Or are you articulating it in a way that is coming across very well? Because I know Ben had a lot of hit back when he shared his calories that he was on for four weeks because they they were very low from a guy his size. So I would be interested to see like if you've ever had backlash from other people.
2: Uh, I wouldn't say backlash. I don't like if a video hits the explorer feed or whatever i'm not really keeping on top of the comments so maybe maybe there's huge backlash i'm just not really aware of it but i i suppose you're aware of this yourselves when you're a coach for a long enough period of time you understand that let's say me outlining that i want to lose akg in eight weeks if i'm taking the slightly more aggressive approach i'm gonna lose a lot of water weight in, in that first week so i think in my first week lost about three kilos and then all of a sudden it's not like eight eight kilos in eight weeks is a very it, it, it's an appealing sort of phrase mm. if you want to call it that but then that eight kilos in eight weeks actually turns into five kilos and seven weeks. so the the with the initial sort of drop in weight that i've seen and i've said this i think two posts ago i said your first week is always going to be the week in which you see the biggest drop and especially if you if you're like me or ben and you take the a more aggressive approach that may be upwards of, 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 even two kilos. So then from that standpoint, it's a little bit more reasonable, but I think it's different strokes for different folks. I think even mm. it, it doesn't necessarily need to be someone as knowledgeable as Ben or I to be able to, to do that approach. I think I've seen a lot of clients have had a lot of success who may be wired similarly to the two of us, um, who have taken that slightly greater approach. And one of the most common questions that you will get from the vast majority of people is if I haven't hit my calories. But, or if I haven't hit my calories on a particular day, should I keep eating just to hit my calorie goal? That is probably one of the single most common questions that I get. So across the board, it's it's, it's a very common thing for people to be in that slightly more aggressive sort of calorie deficit without even knowing it or not. And I think those individuals tend to, to report that they're fine in terms of hunger and even making further adjustments, let's say to individuals, let's say we want to drop 100 calories or 200 calories. Most people in most cases tend to be okay with it. So I don't know uh, is it is it's aggressive according to what sort of metric i think when you look at the 500 calorie deficit that's kind of arbitrarily recommended i think that might be more of a population-based kind of recommendation and fails to take into account how certain people respond in certain situations Different strokes
0: for different folks. I'm still on that one. I like it, it. Yeah,
1: that was a, that was
0: a nice thing. <laughs> th- yeah, I think it's true, mate. Like some people have to take different things into consideration when they're based on how aggressive they might be. If they've got performance stuff going on, if they've maybe got previous uh, issues with relationships with food, etc. Mm-hmm. It's something that people will definitely have to take those different angles and run with it. The one thing that I find interesting that you'd also mentioned was, do, do you think this kind of... And I'm in the same boat when it comes to cardiovascular work and especially the kind of where now what, two, three weeks out from High rocks I find myself having to go to like more classes or train with more people or I, I could never imagine doing some of the workouts that I did when I was 18, 19 years old, where I'd go in on the, the dreaded stairmaster for 30, 40 minutes and do a weight session and be in a low calorie deficit and hit 10k step count. Yeah. Do you you think that almost comes with a level of maturity in terms of the way that you evolve evolve, uh, along your fitness journey? Because, again, I just wouldn't have the motive, I don't think, to be able to go in and and do that and then just have the motive to train optimally as hard as possible on the hack squat and the bicycle just to get a pump and look a bit better. I don't know if that comes with priorities or goals or whether it does come with a level of maturity as you go through the journey.
2: I wouldn't, for me personally, I wouldn't say maturity is the, the the right word. I think just what you're exposed to can have a, a, a massive influence. And I think it is quite rare that you come across individuals who genuinely train hard. I think a lot of people say that they train hard, but maybe the results that they get or even having a look at, at the average set that they complete would indicate that they're not in fact training hard. And I think one thing that I poked fun at was... There's a trend on TikTok where where influencers were like showing their faces as they approached Fader. But I was like, you can make those faces and genuinely struggle to get that last repetition. But there's a huge mental factor as to, you know, how you perceive the difficulty of a a specific rep. And I think with a lot of people, if you're to look at how they recorded a set, it would look as though it's pretty much at Fader or it's a very tough uh, sort of set for them. But I found that when I start getting in my head too much with a particular set, I can start to manifest a rep that's more difficult than it needed to be from the perspective that if I'm doing a chest press and all I want to do is finish this chest press, almost from that moment that that thought slips into my mind, the chest press starts getting much slower. So then I started thinking if I could just rinse my mind and just blank my mind and physically go until, you know, it's impossible to to push anymore, I've often found that I'm able to 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 go way further and beyond than what I've been capable of. So I think a lot of people can fool themselves into thinking as though they, they they train very hard. For me, it was when I was exposed to massive bodybuilders back in the gym 10 years ago. I know the lighting's gone shit here where I am. You can probably barely see one screen. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> uh, <a> <laughs> I just remember watching them. And, you know, some people say don't take advice from the juiced up bodybuilders because they're on juice and everything that they say is dismissed because they're on juice. I don't necessarily agree with that outlook. I kind of take what someone has managed to achieve, take the bits of information that I need from that and then apply that to to my own training. So when I was like 15, 16, I used to just watch what the big bodybuilders were doing and and looking back now, maybe a lot of what they were doing was redundant, but the overall overarching take-home message is the fact that they trained very hard. They were doing drop sets, they were doing supersets, they were sweating, panting, whatever other expression or emotion they were feeling by the end of the set. And I observed that and I go, right, if I want to build muscles somewhat close to that, uh, I'm going to have to train in a manner similar to them. So from a very early age, I was lucky enough to be exposed to individuals who were training very, very hard and tangibly very hard. And I applied that to myself. I said, if I can do one thing, I don't really know what I'm doing inside of the gym. I can put my most amount of effort into every set that I I do, I know that I'm going to have a, a, a decent. I'm going to have decent look as it pertains to to build a muscle. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, is that a thing of whether the success is going to leave clues and whether that person's enhanced or natural? Or whatever. there's there's, a, there's an element of work that's got to be done. I think a lot more people would get results if you just apply that methodology that you've spoken about in. Getting as close to failure, or pushing as hard as possible. Yes, you can't do that every single day, but I think if more people took that simple approach, it would yield a lot more results than the looking at all the fluffy stuff and the, the stuff that just keeps you in motion and the things that are sexy that you think you need to be instilled. When it's the the boring, monotonous, repetitive stuff that compounds over time, yeah. which is which is kind of really what yeah. will set you apart from other people.
2: I think just on that, Ben, if you don't mind me cutting across, yeah, yeah. On, mate. I think a lot of people it's its almost as if they want to believe that things are more complicated than they are, or that there's many more factors at play as to what's necessary or required for, let's say, building muscle in this case, because if it's as straightforward as just getting to the gym, pushing yourself as, as much as you can within each set, which it by and large is, Well, then that raises the question, okay, why haven't I been doing that? Or am I fearful or am I, is there an element of fear there about potentially having to push myself to such a degree? Whereas a lot of people get caught up in, you know, certain exercise selection, you know, very Mm. in the grand scheme things, micro things that, that are not really that important because I think Mm. in many cases, it facilitates them to procrastinate from the thing that they know is going to work, that they know also that they've been avoiding.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think that's very important as well. I think um, it's it's interesting, that point you touched on there, about I think a lot, we spoke about this last week. A lot of people do things which kind of keep you in motion, which makes you feel like you're moving in a, the right direction, like leaving the gym kit out or taking the supplements or doing the, the build-up steps, yeah. everything but doing the thing and taking the action, which makes you feel like you're doing something. But then by the end of the month, the results don't really... <laughs> play out. Um, And I think fear is an interesting one, because I've heard people say before that it's kind of this thing that people fear either failing or being successful, which is why they do things to protect their own ego and put things in the way so that they don't truly see what they're capable of. But I don't don't really think anyone's, and we've done a campaign around this a little bit, Mm -hmm. and it's interesting. I don't know if anyone's really scared of failing. Like, I don't know if I'm scared of getting something wrong or doing something wrong. It's always when there's an audience or when there's a pressure, when someone else sees you. And I, I pose this question to a guest that we had on previously, which she'd spoke a lot about the fear of failing the gym or getting things wrong or anxiety in the gym. But surely if you were in a gym with nobody there and nobody watching. You'd never really be scared of failing the squat or failing the bench press. It's a, I, I tend to feel that like it's a lot more around what people's perceptions of you will be during those situations.
2: Yeah and I think myself, Lucy as well, yourself Ben, have all been in a situation where you've failed a lift and you've made a fool of yourself in the gym or someone's had to come and help you <laughs> and I think what people really underestimate kind of the mental impact of and it's something i've become increasingly fascinated by just how little thoughts that you may have while you're trying to do a set while you're trying to, to push yourself how that can actually affect the, the physical outcome as, as to what you're actually capable of doing something simple for me is if i'm trying to lock in for let's say an axe squat and i'm able to to see the gym floor if someone walks across kind of my vision that can throw me off and that can result in my strength output being a lot worse than 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 it than it potentially could be if i'm listening to music and the music doesn't drop at the point that i wanted it to that can result in the physical outcome of one less rep or two less reps than what i otherwise would be able to con- to achieve had i kind of had, had the music dropped at a certain point and that actually happened only two days ago i recorded it on a youtube video but i was i think i got 140 for three reps and the first one when the music didn't quite align with the next set, which it did, and I ended up getting four reps. So there's so many little things like that mentally that can affect the, the how you perform sort of physically and kind of going back to this fear of failing or making a fool of yourself. Is there a little thought in some people's minds when they're bench pressing or when they're squatting? Oh, I better not fail this year. And just even that thought alone in the back of your mind, can that distract from the tasks that you're looking to achieve and can that result in a slightly lower uh physical outcome as opposed to the person who doesn't really give a fuck who's failed their lifts time and time again and Mm. probably do so in the future they're not really too concerned about whether they fail or not they're more concerned about you know leaving something in time so i think that person who's able to just and it comes with with time and exposing yourself to the gym and getting more comfortable in a gym environment and not really giving so much of a fuck but if you can kind of eliminate as many thoughts as possible whether that's fear of failing or whether that's distractions or whatever ever the case may be, I think that person who's fully locked in, in general, is going to be someone who who achieves a much better outcome in the long run.
1: And what you said there at the end, it does always come from experience. Like the first time I went to the gym, I purposely I don't and this is from like a woman's perspective, it's slightly different. I would not want to lift as heavy as possible in case I failed and some random guy had to come and like save me or spot me. I was almost like so wholly embarrassed about that thought we're going back like five, six years, whereas now I literally fail stuff all the time. And like, I laugh about it and I move on. But if you had told me I would have been able to do that five years ago, I wouldn't believe you. So I think it's trying to get the point across to people that if you are scared of failing, whether it is in the gym or a run or high rocks or just fucking up in any way, it's okay but you're going to have to do it multiple times. You're going to have to do a lot. Every single week, there's going to have to be something that makes you uncomfortable or puts you in that position to be okay with it because it's very much, well, I think it is anyway, very much like a mindset thing.
2: hundred percent. hundred percent. I suppose you could get into the conversation about how important failure is, but I think a lot of people attach a lot of personal equity to the active fader and may not be specifically kind of in the gym but they think if they fail a squat that may very well it's water off a ducks back to any of us but to to someone else i think if they fail the squat in front of the whole gym that could put them off going to the gym for a month or 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 six weeks Mm. whereas if they just kind of de- I don't know right word (laughs) is it it made less significant the act of, of of fading a lift then it would have far less drastic outcomes for them and they could just look at it from the perspective of right I failed that so I know that a 100 kilo squat isn't for me right now so for the next set or for the next session I'm going to taper back to 90 kilos mm-hmm. and then I'm going to build up from there so you can nearly look mm-hmm. at failure as as suppose capping what you're capable of at one particular point in time and maybe encouraging a slightly different approach the next time.
1: Yeah, and, and, Sorry, just to put in there. Then. And also understanding that nobody actually cares. Like, the only person who actually cares about whatever that situation is, is yourself. So as Ben said, if you're in a gym with no one, you just be like, okay, like, no, nobody saw me do that. Whereas this massive, like, you think you're going to be judged by other people when really the gym environment, the running community, High Rocks community, they're really friendly. They're actually really nice people and they support it. It's not... Huh. I used to be so scared of being judged about what other people would say about me. Whereas now I'm like, oh, you just all saw me fail like great times. You just got to remove yourself.
2: Obviously, if you're loading on, if you're someone who's just starting the gym and you're loading on 200 kilos onto a bar and you're failing it, that's a little bit different to someone who's just honestly, you know, trying to to improve themselves incrementally each day and happen to fail a a repetition. But the the one thing that if on on the odd occasion I have to save someone who gets pinned underneath a, a bench press what I say when I pick the bar up off them is, well done, mate. You're, you're pushing yourself hard. So, like, mm. you failed, but I know that because you failed that you're training like an animal. And even that alone to, to someone like me or you or, or, or anyone else who, who kind of in the gym a longer time, you know that that mentality is going to result in that person, you know, making really, really good progress over the. The course of the next few years yeah yeah i think
0: the, the other thing to remember is human beings are very fickle we forget about things very quickly um it doesn't matter what it is i mean even to take this to a darker place maybe is uh, do you remember the last funeral that you 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 to you can you can be big milestones in life that uh, unfortunately or fortunately we just don't even remember i think the person who brings most weight to our problems or issues or failures is us like nobody cares about your failures as much as you do mm-hmm. but to be confident in that to fail you obviously have to produce the evidence to then have the confidence to do it exactly the same if you were to walk into a bar and want to speak to a female but the pressure of the failure or fucking up or getting it wrong deterred you from doing so because you Applied so much weight to that social situation and your ego but if you've been knocked back I don't know 50 times 100 times uh-huh. then potentially that conversation wouldn't be as difficult so I suppose the exposure is a is a big one and then kind of following from that mate it was just something I want to move into I know that you now would be deemed as a fit couple so I know that you you train and you do a lot of well you do some social media and business stuff I think with your partner how is um uh-huh. how do you kind of find that in terms of navigating your relationship and uh, how do you separate the sort of, I suppose, the training, work-life balance and also that relationship? Because I know it's it's something that we spoke about quite frequently before, but it's also interesting to hear it from someone else's perspective as well.
2: I don't know if we're the best people to ask on this because I live in Ireland. Abby lives over in the UK. So anytime that we see each other, it's 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 quite intense from the perspective that obviously we're going to be spending pretty much every waking moment together uh, a week or two weeks at a time. And then we we'll go our separate ways and, and we we'll go back to doing what we're doing. So in terms of balancing it, I suppose we're very fortunate that both of us do pretty much the same thing, maybe slight variations in, in, in certain elements of content, et cetera. But Sorry, Sean, us, how, how, how did you guys meet then if it's a, a long distance thing? Um, so I call it YouTubers. So I had heard of Abby before. She had just recently come up on my radar. So I messaged her and says, would you do a YouTube video? And she actually... She dropped, you you dropped the DM then. I dropped the DM. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, there was something that I, I said to her, I said, there's no way I just came out of the blue and sent you a DM. there would have to <laughs> trigger. At some point or another, that would have led me to sending you a DM to go and do a, a YouTube video by, you know, which I was flying over to the UK to do it. And then I think she was going through her following list one day. And my account is number seven on her fitness page. So I must have been one of that, in chronological order, must have been one of the yeah. f- first fitness accounts that she followed. Oh, she didn't DM or anything like that, but I I distinctly remember there was something where I'd seen her name pop up somewhere, like in a post, whatever it was, that sort of triggered me to to send her a, a DM. Now, she insists that I reach out first, but I'll, I'll let her take that W. But we went over anyway. She, It wasn't easy to organize it, mind you. She... Responded instantaneously on Instagram that I said, look, we we'll take it over to, to, to WhatsApp just to organize it a little bit better. I think she left me on red then for three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and the message that I, was, I sent her afterwards was, look, Abby, I assume this no longer suits. Uh, just letting you know that the YouTube video obviously won't go ahead. Instantly, she responds and goes, I'm so sorry. I'm very bad on my phone, etc. So from that point... I suppose she, she, she salvaged what has now been a, a seven-month relationship. But I went over <laughs> anyway, did the video in the UK. And I think we just kind of clicked uh, in, in person. Like, she was obviously, she's a, she's a great personality, she has a great sense of humor. Two things that obviously I, lo- I look for in someone. And, you know, we did two YouTube videos there. Uh, we went out for dinner that night, but went our separate ways then. And she I invited her back over to the to Ireland for a, it was like a two-day festival so we, we spent about three days together then and kind of went back and forth me going to the uk or coming back here and then we i think we made it official somewhere towards that so it all started a with, with a youtube video that had no expectations or outcomes attached to it and now i'm seven months into my first relationship
1: i love that and this is honestly Obviously, social media in general, people can be like, oh, it's good, it's bad, it's good. This is why it's great because you obviously get to meet people. We met, I mean, we basically met in a similar way at like social media. Yeah, it just facts. was
0: like.
1: I didn't message Ben first. It was like
0: serial killer DMing me and I had no. to put a block on for a little bit. Absolutely. It was, um, it was one of those things, like, it's, it's, it's hard being a we young don't eligible actually bachelor.
1: remember Ben sent me a really weird message about like magnums. No, I fucking never. You did. It was very, But either way because social media can be bashed Ah. because like the negativity that comes with it or like screen time and being on it a lot but when you get to meet someone like you've met Abby and that I've met Ben I think it's the most wonderful thing because you did that as like a YouTube collaboration which was a work thing and then it's obviously blossomed into what it is now and it's Ah. the same with like friendships because we've discussed this on the podcast before because a lot of people actually ask about it is making adult friends can be like quite a difficult thing to do because friends from 10 years I don't think I'm friends with I've been friends with two people from about 10 years ago and I have found some of my closest friends in the fitness industry and I think that is so pleasant and so nice because one you have a lot to talk about you have a lot in common but two Most of my friends in the fitness industry have a very growth mindset. They want to do this, they want to do that, they want to achieve different things. And I think that is such a blessing of social media that isn't really spoken about as much. I always feel like it's tarnished by trolling or negativity or this happens. Whereas I think it's great. The amount of people you can meet is wonderful. 100%
2: I suppose there's positives and negatives to everything, I think. If you dwell on on too many of the negative aspects of it, well, then you'll find more and more negative aspects to to I suppose bolster your belief. But similar to that, if you look at things through a positive lens, through like for for someone as someone could be completely taken over and and become a very much a consumer of social media, but then other people take the the mm-hmm. avenue of right, I'm going to use this as a tool. I'm going to use this as an asset. I'm going to create a business off it. I'm going to become a creator on it, and 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 hence was build a life a little bit different for me. So. I think it just depends on the per- person depends on the perspective But i think more so than anything else i suppose it highlights just the utility of in most cases maintaining a positive outlook on it and and even the most mm-hmm. dire circumstances i think some people call it toxic positivity which i think is just the most dire term in the world but i think trying to turn anything that could just is easily be a negative into a positive i think is 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 always going to be a good good outlook yeah
1: why why do you hate the term toxic positivity
2: it's always the types who are just very negative people who look at something (laughs) that maybe intrinsically offends them and tries to turn it into something that's negative. And I think there's a lot of people like that. And and one of the, you know, some people may agree that I shouldn't be given a, a platform of which to vent my opinions, but tough luck here it is. Uh, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> a, a lot of people, social media has given a platform to a lot of people who shouldn't have an opinion, an opinion. I think a lot of very negative, hateful people try to take certain concepts or, or topics and, and just, I suppose, skew that into, into their worldview and then just spit it out the other mm-hmm. end and hope other people follow along. Yeah, mm.
0: yeah. I, th- I suppose the issue with that as well is some people have a view and then it's validated by other people blowing smoke up their arse and then they feel like their opinion is high right. and mighty and super valid when often it's not. And I suppose uh, for the, the the vast majority of people who will take or use toxic positivity to continue to push them forward, it's just them being optimistic about the situation and wanting to, to better themselves for it. And, uh, I think the thing that's great, even in that situation where you've sort of pinged out a DM, is it's so uh, it's so crazy how different your life can be from just taking one small decision. Like if you hadn't sent a DM, like who knows you would have where you would have been like at this point in your life and who you'd be speaking to and what you'd be doing. I suppose a nice question for us to finish on would be for those people or listeners who are potentially thinking about something. It could be a DM. It could be changing something in life. It could be something to do with the relationship, the career, the business, the work. What would your advice to that person be who's thinking about it but hasn't potentially actioned that thing?
2: I want to, as much as possible, avoid cliches. Well, I suppose it orientates around you'll always regret more what you don't do as opposed to to what you do because if there's something that you're thinking about doing, And I'm not going to sit here and say that whatever thing that you're thinking about doing, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's guaranteed to end up being a positive thing. It could be a shit show. It could be a a chasm of despair awaiting you at the at the other end of that decision. But at least once you've done that, you'll know that either it was for you or 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 that it wasn't for you. And I think you're just if there's something that you're thinking of doing, there's something that you're looking to actionize. Removing the expectation or the outcome from the equation and just doing whatever it is that you need to do or or, or get ticked off is always going to be the better outcome because either you're you're more knowledgeable you're more aware or it's going to influence the next action that you take or you know potentially that one thing that you are thinking about could have the the possibility to to change your life and i think you're i'm not sure if you mentioned it or not but the, the butterfly effect is is something that's absolutely crazy i wouldn't be sitting here currently working albeit on a, on a trial basis right now with gymshark if it wasn't for the dn that i sent to abby back in in april mm. and, and a lot of other things off of that like it is frightening and you will drive yourselves insane if you think about how just one small thing can completely and really be change the trajectory that your life takes and um, it doesn't necessarily have to boil down to you winning the lottery in terms of you making 100 right decisions over course of course next year it could literally mm. just be this one thing that you're sitting on this one thing that you're thinking of doing that could have the ability to to do that. Yeah.
1: And that's one of those things as well. I'm a very big believer in like your gut instinct. There's a reason why your stomach feels a certain type of way when you're trying to make a decision, whether it's sending a DM or starting a business venture or going to the gym for the first time. Mine was quitting swimming. It's always something that's a bit like, oh my God, I'm, I don't know how I feel about the situation, but you would regret yeah. doing it. But it's it's just, the actual, like, notion of doing something can seem so overwhelming and so scary, but I'm so glad you said that because I hope people who listen to this podcast will think, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm just going to do it. Because all that needs is someone else like you saying, this is what I've done from it. Even though it might not be a positive or a negative, you don't know how it's going to go. But until you try it, how how would you know?
2: And I hope you don't mind me just getting this point across as well, but me, starting my social media i think it was back in november 2017 i nearly had to be forced into doing this it. It, it was something that i was thinking about i wanted to do it but i didn't have the cojones to go and do it it's my best friend that i live with now and his girlfriend at the time who was an influencer who influenced me to set up that page and and, and take that first step and i think he says he said something a lot of the lines to me of if you're not going to do it tonight he says don't bother talking to. Bo-. Don't bother talking to me about it tomorrow. He says you're either going to do it or you're not. But that. you know, pick up the card, pluck up the courage, do what you need to do, find out whether or not it's for you, and then, mm. you know, the rest is history. Yeah. That's some great advice from a friend there. You got a good one. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. I wouldn't be living with him today if if he wasn't
0: that's great um, and yeah, you, you mentioned Jim Shock there just just on that as well please remember to use code Benji I need it way more than Sean and Lu- and, and, and Lu- I need it way more than Sean and Lucy does Lucy, so, yeah. yeah forget about those two codes but thank you for jumping on Sean I appreciate your time mate uh, where can people find more of you dude
2: so I'm lucky to have the one simultaneous handle across all platforms if you type in Sean Fitzness into Instagram TikTok YouTube you'll find me there I think that-
1: that is actually valuable having the same yeah. name across your platforms. You've got different names on yours, haven't you?
2: Different
0: on YouTube, but same on. See, like that's really
1: you've done well there. I've got I've got like an underscore on some and then not on others. But yeah, um, thank you so much for your time, Seth. I think what you said is so valuable for people, whether it's to do with fitness, gym, muscle building, stepping out your comfort zone, negativity, positivity. You've been um, you've been great.
0: Yeah. And thank you for all listeners for tuning in. Please continue to sub, share this, tag myself, Lucy and Sean in this week's episode. Don't forget forget to hit the notification bell.
1: And we'll see you next week.
0: Bye, guys.